Good morning, Chris. Thank you for being here. We're going to just jump right into this, and we're going to start with a pretty basic question. Can we know that God exists? That is, I think, the first question that should come to mind is, is there a God? Or or some people claim God is just a figment of people's imagination, something that we just conjured up in our own thoughts. And yeah, can we? It's interesting in that the Bible doesn't ever try to prove God's existence. It always just assumes it. When we get to the very first verse of Genesis, the start of the Bible, it says, in the beginning, God. It goes on to say that God created the heavens and the earth. But it doesn't say there is a God, and let me explain why. It just says, in the beginning, our beginning, God doesn't have a beginning, but it says, in the beginning, God already existed before the beginning. May this be likely related or at least connected to the verse in chapter 1 of Romans, I think it's verse 18 or 19, when it says, for people are without excuse for what may be known about God is obvious and available to all from what God has created so that they are without excuse and that it goes on to mention the attributes of God that are observable from what has been created. Absolutely. That that passage in, in Romans 1 and then in Psalm 19, talk about knowing God through his creation. It's no wonder that many people in the world have tried to suggest that creation, or even calling it creation, suggest a creator, that the world, the universe, the galaxies, that, that it all came from nothing. And the reason being is that, that creation is constantly calling out the fact that there is a God and that we can know certain things about God. That passage from Romans 1, it suggests that the creation suggests, or not just suggests, that's putting it too lightly, creation demands that there's a knowledge of God and that they know it and they suppress that truth. And so when I hear an atheist say they don't believe in God, my understanding of Romans 1 is that the Bible says I don't believe in atheists. (laughs) because what they know, they suppress. You can't suppress something without knowing it. The thought that comes to my mind is when it says, in the beginning, God, that seems to clearly state that before the beginning of the world as we know it, there was God and God only. So that whatever was created by God from nothing, which I think is consistent with what science has finally come to. Yeah, science and the sound of music. There was that song, I Must Have Done Something Good, where where in that song, Julia Andrews says, nothing nothing comes from nothing because nothing ever could. The idea that there has to be something that caused something to occur. And if with the Big Bang Theory, that means there had to be something because what exploded? Nothing exploded? That's impossible. If there's nothingness, can't explode. So even if you bought into that approach to how the universe was created, okay, what was there before that then? Before the Big Bang, what exploded? And what put that there? Or really the answer is who put, would put that there? Creating from nothing is something that only God can do. You and I could never create from nothing. 
it seems like the uh, some people follow the thought process that science is steadily eroding Bible and the truth about God, but just the opposite is true. The more we learn about one of the biggest topics of recent years and even decades is DNA. And as we look and find out more about DNA, only somebody who checked their brain at the door could imagine that came about through some random chance from nothing. Yeah, it's so complex. And for it to all work out the way that it did, it obviously took a designer to, yeah. to put that together. The hand strokes or marks of God are evident on his creation, right? Absolutely, yeah. What can we say about how God did the creating? Does John 1 answer that for us, or do we look somewhere else? I always look to God's Word. Okay. Uh, because occasionally I'm wrong about things. But, <laughs> I'm often wrong about things. <laughs> but uh, God's Word is perfect. And I'm Amen. sure there'll be a podcast that we'll do in the future that will talk about what God's Word, what does the Bible say about itself. But uh, John wrote his gospel through the moving of the Holy Spirit, through the inspiration of Scripture, with the intention of being very similar to Genesis 1. In Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And you go to John 1.1, and it says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And you jump down a few verses more, and it talks more specifically about who is the Word. And I believe it's verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And then you find through the rest of the gospel that it's proving that's Jesus. But uh, yeah, in the beginning was the Word. So God existed at the beginning, didn't come into existence at the beginning, but, uh, but God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit already existed in the beginning of the universe and mankind's beginning or creation's beginning. Okay. And as I, I know that the word, W-O-R-D, the W is capitalized in John chapter 1, indicating a proper name, which is another name for Jesus. Jesus is the word, the living word. Yep. And so when we see, and I know today's message is not on Scripture per se, but since we are referring to it, it says in 2 Timothy 3.16, I think, mm -hmm. all Scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. That would be equipped for every good work. Right. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. How can we know what God is like, or can we know? Going back to creation, there's a few things that we can can know about God through creation. We can't know God. We don't know God completely. He's way beyond us. But through his creation, there are things that we can know about God. One of them, and we've touched on this already, is that because God existed before the beginning, time has a beginning, but God does not. God is beyond time. Another way of saying that is God is eternal and that he had no beginning, and he has no end. And I don't know about you, I can't think of anything else, and my brain hurts when I strive to understand the concept of having always existed, 
That's right. That's the claim of God is that he's always existed. Can we loop back to something you said a minute ago? You were speaking of how God is so much bigger than anything we can take into our mind. And certainly we recognize that he is. He couldn't be God if he wasn't much greater than anything he had created. But yet that God, as amazing as he is ever present with us, and always available to hear, to get a call from us, so to speak. You couldn't probably get the mayor of a small town on the phone anytime you wanted to, or maybe not at all, but God, who created the universe, is available, and that's not some made-up thing. That's the reality of God's presence and his relationship with us. Is that Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah. God is both far away. The heavens are his throne. The stars are his footstools. So in a sense, God is completely other than us. So much greater, so much beyond our recognition. And at the same time, God is also very personal, which I think goes back to creation because when there was just God, he didn't create anything beyond himself. And so he fills up creation, which means that there is nowhere we can go where there isn't God's presence, which also means he's very close. So God is very distant. And at the same time, God is very close. Chris, you're, I'm sure, speaking somewhat from what you've read, but can you also say from a personal testimony that you experience God's closeness on a daily basis? There, there are times when I become more aware of it than others. Sometimes one of the great verses in Scripture is, be still and know that I am God. And, and that's just taking a moment and having fellowship with God. Sometimes we're so busy that, uh, that we don't notice things. It's kind of being so busy, you forget your anniversary. Never a wise thing. If you just be still, I think you have that personal fellowship with God. And as you read his word, and as a pastor, it's like, all right, Sunday's coming. I got to have my sermon ready. And sometimes I can treat it very much like work, where I'm just trying to plow through and have a deadline coming up and want to get it done. But when I just slow down, and in that devotional time and a fellowship time with God, become very aware of his presence. I have found that as I pray, sometimes I need to be quiet and let scripture reverberate. I believe that God uses his word to communicate with us when we're quiet and are ready to receive it. God's spirit will bring to mind truths about God. So in those situations, certainly in the quietness, but sometimes... Things will happen, and I think we use the term miracle too often and too loosely because miracles have a special place in Scripture, but, but God's timing and God's goodness will show up in certain situations, and it's just, you just, wow, God was in this all along. I've been striving, I've been struggling, I've been so worried about this, and sometimes it can take years and then you can trace God's hand back through the years and say, wow, God put me at just the right place at just the right time. 
And he did it in ways I never saw coming. But now as I look back, this is where this is how God got me to where I am. I'm sure you've had those experiences as well. I have. And I love that the Word of God, the Bible, is, as we said a minute ago, it's living. It's alive. But I also can speak with certainty to my own personal experience of knowing God's presence, not just because he said so in his book, but that he's there to greet me in the morning. And even when my eyes open and I can just take a few moments before I even roll out of bed and thank God for a new day, thank him for himself and his presence. And my heart, our relationship is not about feelings, but there are feelings that come when we experience, or at least in my life, we experience God, and I feel and know His presence, and He begins to guide me into the day. Now, I get in the way all the time and get out of line with what God's showing, but He's always there nudging me along. And so it's not just theory, it's the practical aspect of living very imperfectly, but very intentionally for God day by day in my own broken and far less than perfect way. Yeah. God's word says, taste and see that the Lord is good. My wife is a fantastic baker. My girth is no accident, right? It's been encouraged by her ability. And when she makes a strawberry shortcake, I don't want to just know In theory, that it's going to taste good with a homemade whipped cream, I want to taste and see that it's good. And God's that way for us. We know him through his word, but he also wants us to taste and see his goodness, experience his goodness. And I know that you would agree with me on this, that sometimes it's tempting to interpret God's word on our based on our experience when we really need to interpret our experience based on God's word. God's word isn't just meant to be knowledge like a history book that we learn. It is to be experienced and to experience not just God's word, but to experience God. And all the person and all of his goodness and all of his perfections. I think that might be a good place for us to end this first session and look forward to coming back in our next session and talking about God. I'll give a little encouragement for the next session by saying that we want to look at how God is one God existing eternally in three persons, which we call the Trinity. That sounds great. Okay. Thank you all for listening, and we pray that this has been an encouragement to you, and even more so that God is honored in what we're doing. God bless you.